Reports have come in of a recent unauthorized entry to the top secret base known as Area 51. Howdy there, partners! A person of unknown origin. The only name he would give us was... I'm the Doctor, by the way. The Doctor. Take me to your leader. I've heard all kinds of things about that place. None of it's good. Dreamland? Oh, I've always wanted to go there. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Cast. My name is Zane. My name is Phil. That's right. We have a special guest today filling in for Ben, Phil Hobby. You've heard him before. And um, what we have today is a special where we've taken a, uh, a short little something animated, and we're going to talk about it uh, briefly rather than go through a whole big, long thing. But, of course, Phil's here, uh, and we, we mostly know him from big, old, long things. Uh, in terms of, we've had you on before to talk about Popeye, among That's the right. oldest well-known cartoons, as well as an animated Doctor Who uh, 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 series of episodes called The Power of the Daleks. But uh, it turns out that you you watch a lot of Doctor Who, and you know of some other animated episodes as well. Right. So technically, the one that we watched last time was animated, you know, post Hoke. Uh, yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> was, it had been missing its video component, but the audio survived, so they animated it um, to some good success, actually. Uh, but this is one that really was intended to be animated, so I thought this mm-hmm. might be an interesting one to compare it to or just do it on its own merit, whatever. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a great easy thing to jump into because it's like 45 minutes long. It's got, it looks yeah. like five six-minute episodes and one 12-minute episode. Yeah. Uh, and it was meant to be done. This is called Dreamland. Sounds amazing. Yeah. So um, just for a little bit of context, you know, last time we had you on, we talked about the second Doctor Who way back in the 60s? Yes, I believe. Yeah, the 70s? one we watched was a second Doctor episode. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. He was, he was you know, dancing around Mercury playing his clarinet. Oh, my goodness. That one, yes. <laughs> yep. So... But this is the tenth Doctor, sort of, sort of the feature Doctor Who everyone thinks of nowadays. Right. After after they revived the series, uh, David Tennant himself, famed uh, actor for uh, uh, Uncle Scrooge in the new Ducktales, of course, <laughs> and that purple guy from Marvel. So, <laughs> what what's your? You know, I, I know that you are a connoisseur of the older Doctors. Uh, for me, this one was the first Doctor uh, I saw. Uh, and is kind of my canonical one, kind of the the biggest one in my cultural consciousness, given just when I grew up. What's your connection to this one uh, compared to all the others? So I have seen uh, everything in the first, second, almost all of the third, fourth, and and about half of the fifth Doctor um, from the old series. But I've watched every single episode of the new series. So I mm-hmm. do know the stuff. To be honest, I watched it as it was coming out. I have a very cursory memory of a lot of this stuff, um, old and new, frankly. Um, well, by this by this point, they realized that people cared, and they actually saved the videos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's a bit of a different beast. Yeah. They also realized there was money in it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I watched everything as it was coming out, so I have not ever really gone and returned to watch too much of it. Um, in prep yeah. for this episode, uh, we watched the episode that is supposed to come just prior to it, which is called The Waters of Mars. So I rewatched that, mm-hmm. and if that's any indication of how much I remember, um, it's close to zero for pretty much everything. <laughs> yeah, so my, my first ever episode watching Doctor Who was 
the Christmas special where the ninth Doctor died and the tenth one was born. Uh, and we get this very quirky, silly, fun guy. And the episode you you just you, you mentioned, uh, the Waters of Mars, is the second to last kind of major uh, event before the tenth Doctor dies. Oh, okay. And <laughs> and so by this point in the chronology. Um, he's become a bit more serious, and, and by at the end of that episode, not to spoil anything, he becomes a bit more uh, unhinged and uh, paranoid. And so my understanding is that's that leads into the final special with this doctor, where you know all that you know switching over to the eleventh one actually happens, mm. and this is sort of a like you know a, a, a palate cleanser in between where. We're having a little bit of last-minute fun with the Doctor before we go and switch him for a younger, hotter model. <laughs> yeah, and, um, well, I, I was about to say something. I don't even know if it pertains to this episode. I mean, you said unhinged, and I think, without really giving too much away, if, if you want to really have spoiler-free, um, you can either cut this, Zane, or, no, or, or yeah, listen, or you fine. can skip ahead about, I don't know, 45 seconds. Um, but the question which has always come up for me with Doctor Who is, especially in the early days, they didn't care whether he messed around with history. Like, they made <laughs> sure that if something, you know, life-altering in the, you know, course of human events would not be changed. Like, if he went to Pompeii, Pompeii would still erupt. Pompeii would still kill some people. Like, okay, he can't change that. But then there's these other episodes where he's walking around, you know, in, in these time periods, like the French Revolution, and he does change some stuff, and he saves this person, and he goes and he talks to this person, and he alters the, the history a lot, especially future history, and, mm -hmm. um, you know, there's a lot of episodes where Daleks are taken over in the year 2150. Okay, yeah. it's not a historical moment for us, but it certainly is for him. Uh, why would that not be something he like he destroys all the Daleks all of a sudden and it's like well without him Daleks right. would have very successfully taken over Earth so why is that one which seems pretty monumental and cataclysmal why would that be something he's suddenly n allowed to m mess with but oh it's Pompeii right so, something this long is uh you're bound to get some inconsistencies in the lore and sure. um the, they're uh are you familiar at all with the Green Lantern I mean, I know who he is. I used to read the comic book back in the 50s. <laughs> so, so the yeah, uh, for anyone who doesn't know, Phil is a uh, time traveler. He's from the past, which, as you know, you can't just look up stuff that has happened in the past. You have to have actually been there. Right. Um, so the Green Lantern, the original Green Lantern, his weakness was anything uh, – well, the original one, weak to anything made of wood. Don't worry about it. But <laughs> uh, the one everyone thinks of is weak to the color yellow. Right. And that doesn't make sense on any level, science fiction or otherwise. Right. But people kind of assumed, okay, it's not actually he's weak to yellow. It's a mental weakness put in there to prevent this guy from kind of being godlike. And I think the whole like, hey, Doctor Who, you can do little things, but there are fixed points in history. Um, at the end of The Waters of Mars, he kind of realizes it's the same thing where like it – he, this is a self-imposed rule. He can break it. There are consequences, but he can do that. So I think this this is going to be him kind of having having some fun before that realization fully sinks. Right. In. I I know nothing about what's about to come. So this <laughs> no, this, this could be this could be wholly immaterial to what we're about to consume. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it does just strike me. I, I did 
I was surprised that he started to question whether he could change things at the end of the Waters of Mars because up until this point, at least the Russell T. Davies era, you know, this 2005 to 2009-ish era, um, he kind of was very like, well, I can't change that. And I'm like, you in the second episode, you almost brain a, a caveman with a rock. So y- mm-hmm. you've definitely kind of come to that conclusion. Like, if, if we are taking this thing as a cohesive narrative, which I grant you, it is not at all. <laughs> um, I think in 1967-ish, I think there's a computer who goes, we must kill Doctor Who. Which, you know, just that's... That's not his name, even according to some of the writers. But the writers oh, yeah. were not at all the same as the ones from the beginning. So they were like, whatever. No one's going to watch this again. So consistency be damned. But anyway, why don't we? Yeah, why don't we, why don't we get into it? So this is broken up into six little small episodes. So we're just going to um, watch them and just kind of summarize them in turn and then kind of do a, a whole recap. Yep. All right, well, you know, you land in Roswell. We kind of already know what the plot's going to be. <laughs> yeah. And the good ship Deus Ex Machina just comes out of the sky. I mean, easy come, easy go, right? Like, where did this where did this alien robot come from? Right. Stormed in 2020. Oh, was this where they did the Naruto run? There was a joke going around that said, let's storm Area 51, and like six yeah, people showed yeah. up. Well, then they drizzled Area 51. And they'll do it again. I mean, if he can figure out how to open up all the doors, why couldn't he figure out how to open up that thing that was containing the poor alien? Oh, because that was glass. Okay. Um, Yeah, so that was neat. So we just watched the first uh, chunk-ish of this Doctor Who episode. And I guess before even getting into, like, the plot of it, the the animation on this is, uh, what, what do you think? Um, I found it a little jarring at first. I was it's kind of stiff. Hope, yeah, I was kind of hoping it would be a little bit more two D ish, uh, or possibly if it was three D, kind of stylized. But they really just kind of kept it as three D animation. That's yeah, the the pretty like the so this came out in the late two thousands, but um, kind of kind of the thing we've noticed is that if it doesn't come out in the U S or Japan animation lags behind a few years mm, so this is reminiscent of the more early 2000s era cgi uh, uh yeah. animation it's it's like if people went oh we've created some 3d objects let's manipulate them and didn't mm-hmm. bother to make it look anything more than just that which is fine i mean it certainly works but i mean there there's uh there's claymation out there that looks a little more realistic than that. <laughs> yeah, th- this it was reminiscent somewhat of, um, you know, even even some '90s stuff like Reboot or the Donkey Kong Tree Show or even, or Bionicle, which I watched recently. Um, but it's not, you know, it's it, it's it's fitting. Like when we watch, um, it's not Star Trek. When we watch Star Trek: The Animated Series, for example. Mm. You know, it's clearly a step backwards in visual, but it's it's what you use it for, right? right? What you what you get on the return of this is you can tell more amazing stories, and in this case, the right. the advantage is we can see some spaceships flying around, and we get to see some cool aliens. Yeah, no, you you took the words right out of my mouth. I mean, this is this is certainly not even Toy Story one <laughs> levels of animation, <laughs> exactly. Um, but 
it is it is certainly functional and it's it's decent you know and I, once i got used to it too i think i was expecting something a little smoother but when i got okay well this is just what it is as you say it's it's in the service of something that is mm-hmm. you know a really fun doctor who that we can't ordinarily potentially see I, I wish that they leaned further into it and had you know th- this seems like the perfect opportunity to have a whole bunch of uh, monsters and stuff rather than the same old you know uh, military installation running down the hallway from guards kind of thing. That's a really good point. I actually hadn't thought of that yet. Um, yeah, I mean this this last little spaceship fight scene is probably a little more involved than mm-hmm. what they could do. I mean the special effects in Doctor Who even even these days can be a little bit like do do. Do you not know anybody who knows After Effects? But okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's not what you're coming to Doctor Who for. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, at any you ne- and nev- never. I mean. <laughs> the last season, actually, I remember going, I think they're finally getting their special effects. Like, you know, some of the Jodie Whittaker stuff. I've been like, okay, I think they're finally getting these special effects to be relatively decent. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, up until that point, it's still like, that, that explosion could have looked like it was actually yeah. there. But okay. <laughs> Yeah, fine. <laughs> um, so I guess it's worth uh, going over just the basics of uh, what the plot is. So this is... Um, area 51, the end. All right. So Yeah, no. <laughs> this is an Area 51 story. Well, it's got a twist. So, you know, the doctor is in a diner uh, in, in, in uh, New Mexico after Area 51, Roswell stuff. Uh, he meets a couple of people at a diner. They're going to be his companions, um, I guess. There wasn't a whole lot of buildup. And um, so one of them found an alien spaceship part uh, lying around. The military comes to get it. They get abducted. They're in the military base. They're going to get mind wiped. They break out. Um, Which, by the way, I want to point out, the valve to open up the mind wiping gas is mm-hmm. inside the chamber. That's so right. the colonel who's in charge of the base has to come inside, start spraying it on himself before he's going, well, better get out of here before I... Fr- Wait, what was I doing again? Why did I walk it, into this room? It's like how the lever to lock the coffin is on the inside. <laughs> <laughs> so um, basically, they, they've they encountered this large alien like insectoid thing, which actually looks pretty cool. It does look cool. I actually like it a lot. Uh, and... You know, they're like, they're telling the military, look, you don't understand what you're dealing with. You got to let me help. Um, But at the end of this first chunk of this first segment, we realize that the military is, in fact, working with these uh, beetle creatures. Uh, There's also another alien, like a gray, like your classic gray. Uh, We don't know what their deal is yet. Paul, as I called her. Yeah. Yeah. Pauline from the classic, uh, classic Seth Rogen movie. Uh, Wait. Uh... What was I thinking of? I was thinking of the movie with, uh, oh my God, Nick Frost and Simon Pegg. You're right. It is it is Seth Rogen who plays the the Paul. You're right. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I was actually thinking of him as the human characters because I think of them as the British Seth Rogens. <laughs> yeah. But um, but yeah. So so we've got a couple aliens. We got our military thing. Um, there are some issues with the uh, plotting and pacing that are. Um, you know, we were talking about this when we were watching The Water of Mars. It's sort of endemic to the newer Who, right? Just because they have a lot less time in which to tell their stories. Yeah, I mean, just this wide... Well, in this case, I the, the trust factor goes up by a factor of 10 because they're stuck mm-hmm. and they go, we know nothing. This guy clearly knows something. He's got an edge. He probably, at the very... Like, I'll put it this way. If I'm going blind or I'm following this guy, I'll have a better chance following this guy. So, right. 
This one feels less like we now trust him. The end. It's like yeah, the the mind wipe sequence in a classic six episode Doctor Who should be on episode three at right. the earliest. Right. Um, but here we get it in the first ten minutes. Well, and I do like the pacing of this. It is kind of like it's brisk. Yeah, it it, it jumps to the next thing pretty quickly. I mean, almost to the point where I'm like, well, why did you bother with that? And then I went, mm-hmm. I hope that comes back. Like when when the bug comes out tries to eat, you know, tries to shoot them, and then is immediately vaporized by the military, I go, <laughs> well, you can't just kind of go, here's a problem, I fixed it, and like, you know, wipe your hands of it. And then I went, well, I, I hope that's just introducing this is the, the foe. And that's what it was. So I was like, okay, there was a point to that scene. It wasn't just problem fixed. Yeah, and I think this is, um, this is something that I was thinking in when we watched The Waters Mars, where the modern Doctor Who, so normally in a, in a good story, you want, ethos pathos logos right you want things to make sense that's logos you want uh uh in you want empathy and relatability with the characters that's pathos and you want to trust the storyteller or the characters to behave a certain way that that ethos in this doctor who ethos the like creation of trust and bonds Mm. is in the first like five minutes and it's immediate the next half of a Doctor Who episode or special is like logos where we're like, here's all of the information that you're going to need. And then they just like hit you with the pathos again and again and again. Like now is now is the payoff of feeling things. Yeah, that's that's really cogent, actually. I never most really... shows don't segment it like that. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and, you know, I think science fiction is trying to do so much, you know, it, yeah. you know, take take the Twilight Zone, for example, which was really just a lot of metaphorical. Think about race relations. But yeah. I did it in this way that maybe it's seeping into your subconscious if you're not super on board with this idea. Maybe I've got you on board with it through your through the pathos part. But yeah, Doctor maybe the Who, robots were communists all along. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I had never thought about it. Yeah. Doctor Who really does segment all of them as opposed to making a melange of of all three. Yeah. That's interesting. But yeah, but I'm enjoying it. Yeah, it's decent. Shall we check out the next uh, chunklet? Let's let's do it. Wait, isn't there a show on in the in the UK that explains exactly (laughs) who he is? (laughs) Oh wait, no, not yet. This is fifty-one. Yeah, you just missed it. Oh no, it's where they shoot Lost in Space. Get out! It's a terrible show. The old one or the new one? both but the new one which is pretty bad is better than oh, the old we, one. Oh we tried watching the first episode of the new one it was it was awful. Oh my god. The water freezing from the bottom up. <laughs> Here hold on let's pause it for a second. Cuz we yeah, missed yeah, yeah. we missed some plot but yeah I want to actually talk about this with you for a second because <laughs> the first episode of the new Lost in Space believe it or not is 10 times better than almost every episode of the old one. The old one mm-hmm. sucks and I've seen a lot of it and I do not like it. Um, as someone who loves old television too, you know, this is not someone going like, eh, it's just so old like me. That's the type of stuff I love and I hated mm-hmm. it. But that first episode is such utter garbage. We were talking about the same one, right? Where they crash land on the ice planet. Yeah. And then the water starts to freeze from the bottom up. Stupid. Which is not at all how that happens. And they solve problems using like... Like, it's not, like, one big overarching problem. It's a bunch of small ones in sequence that are super easy to... It was just, like... And we kept on flashing back to, like, why we shouldn't think these characters like each other, and then they have to be family. It's just so forced. It is... Oh, it is such... Such pad writing. Uh 
I mean, the old one was bad. I mean, the old one was usurped by one of the actors who insisted on rewriting every script himself so that mm. he would beef up his parts with what he said, it's the only thing people are watching. And you're like, <laughs> it's the thing that if you removed, I would actually start to watch. Like, it, it, <laughs> he is, he lied on his resume. He'd never done nice. half of it. He landed the job, took over the, the... You should see them, like, by the third season, the entire cast, you can see them just ready to throttle the guy, like, in the middle of shooting, and they all just went, I hate this show, I'm leaving. Which, uh, which actor? Was that, like, the main guy or the creepy... The creepy doctor uh, who yeah. was not supposed to be in. He was supposed to be in for like eight episodes, which was the other thing. As he went, I know I'm only written in for eight, but if I can make this guy be like the standout star, then I can keep my job. I got to keep chewing the scenery. It'll be weird if I'm not here. Oh, my God. If you want um, if you want good sci-fi uh, that does have like a good like familial kind of uh, element, mm-hmm. uh, Dark Matter. Oh, which yeah. Ran, you, you've seen that? I've heard of it. No, I've never seen it. It's it's good because they have that sort of ongoing, you know, learning to love each other relationship. But it's also Firefly if everyone had amnesia. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I'd like to see that. I uh, I will recommend this. If you want to see old sci-fi that's amazingly good, like just because it's old doesn't make it bad. Uh, there's a show from the BBC called Journey into Space, which mm-hmm. went for three seasons. And it's not only really good. It's really dark. Like, Ooh. you would expect something from the mid-50s to be, like, kind of light and hokey. Mm-hmm. It's disturbing. Like, there's some stuff that I'm like, I, I know, like, Firefly didn't get this dark in, in certain spots. Like, there are episodes <laughs> of Firefly that are way lighter than this. Mm-hmm. Um, it, there's some really creepy elements to it, and I, I, would, I would recommend that to anybody. Um, All right, we should, uh, we should get back to this. What are you doing? They're starting a fire. Yeah, but why would she do that? He was getting answers. <laughs> I mean, that's what happens when you pick up fresh companions. They're not familiar with your methods yet. Oh, they ripped this off from aliens. Oh, <laughs> that's worth mentioning, actually. <laughs> and they already mentioned aliens. Should we stop? Should we stop here? This is probably the end of that right. episode. Yeah, right there. Yeah. All right, paused. <clears throat> yeah. So in part two. Um, they escape from the military base in a stolen uh, alien spaceship, crash land in a local town, get abducted by the aliens called the, uh, the Viper Ox. These are the big bug things yep. and are taken to the lair. And as they're trying to escape, they encounter the queen who is hatching an army. That's a pretty cool idea. He's like, yeah, they just go underground. They hatch a bunch of people and they become the army. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's an efficient way to do it. You know, considering every pound is... Mm-hmm. A lot of fuel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's kind of like Alexander the Great. Like, don't bring soldiers, make soldiers there. Like, you're part of the empire now. That's a cool idea. Um, I, I, this is where I think they're ta- they're using the advantage of the animation, where, like, this queen is huge yeah. and very detailed and quite cool looking. Yep. I like it. I mean, if it's, as long as we acknowledge it's completely ripping off spoilers, aliens, but um, yeah, yeah. So, which he mentioned, well, <laughs> yeah, because he he was uh, when they were asking like, how do we escape? And he found the uh, the air vents, and he's like, that's that's the great thing about people from this time; they haven't seen Die Hard or Alien or Die Hard Two or Aliens or Die Hard Three. <laughs> yeah, and I will admit, I I was about to say, what what does Die Hard Two have to do with anything? It's a terrible movie, and then I realized, well, 
does take place on a plane, and there were planes earlier, so maybe that's what mm-hmm. he was talking about. Yeah, he's just he's just having a he's just having a fun. So um, we we get some interesting information about these viper ox, which is that they're not here for humanity; they are here for a an enemy of their people. So mm. I'm guessing that's the gray that they encountered earlier. Yeah, I you know right now the viper ox seem like the more aggressive, and therefore mm-hmm. the baddies. But like, and and it looks like that the little you know traditional green big guy you know Martian you know X Filesy sort of alien um, is just the poor misunderstood one. So if they want to pull the rug out from under us, they will actually make it be that the viper ox are the ones that are. Mm-hmm. Um, well, well, yeah. I mean, what if what if the the small innocent looking gray is actually right. you know an intergalactic terrorist, and these guys are just right. trying to they're they're going into you know a third party country just to take down the bad person, and then they'll leave right away. They don't mean any harm to the locals, and they're just going to get involved with the U.S. military at the same time. Right. Doesn't relate to anything. Right. Sci-fi is completely unrealistic. Well, and it could also just be, I mean... Yeah, we don't know yet, exactly, but... I don't want to give away, but, you know, the, the, the times that, like, some movies go, like, yeah, look at these terrible bad guys, look at these terrible bad guys, and then, like, halfway through the movie, you're like, oh, oh, they were the kind-hearted ones, and the ones that are mm-hmm. actually, like, xenophobic and, like, committing genocide are the ones that we've been following the whole time. Oh, I had no idea, like... Um, that's always kind of, I mean, bug creatures are kind of the classic bad guy, like, right. You know, robots can be good or bad. It kind of depends on the context. Hive minds, usually bad. Um, but bug creatures almost always bad, right? Like Ender's Game, Starship Troopers. Sure. Oh, and we should mention the the doctor's companions for this adventure are the, uh, diner lady, uh, what do we got here? Cassie? Cassie. Yeah. And And Jimmy. Jimmy. Yep who they are really playing up the fact that he is coded uh, as Native American. I don't know what they're doing with, with that. I, is it just like, I don't know. that. I mean, there is this fascination with the United States, especially like cowboys. Like oh, yeah. whenever you see UK shows taking place in some you know some place in the U.S. a good chunk of the time it they're they're sort of fascinated with the the lawless West mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know which they don't have I mean no nobody has it so I right, don't well, know well, if that fabric which does include Native Americans for sure um, they they did say one thing where he's like he goes well, why is the why is the U.S. government doing this and then Jimmy just kind of goes. Because that's just kind of what they do, and then he brings up some battles <laughs> like against Native Americans. He's like, they just do what they want. So yep. maybe that was their little like nod to yeah, thing. there's there's some problems with American history. Yeah, and it makes sense because it, it's kind of the the chunk of the U.S. that England never had or mm. didn't like create uh, or or bring over in terms point. of like the, the cultural. You know, New England is called that for a reason. All right, yeah, uh, let's check out part three. <laughs> that was good. What did he say? He said, I don't think she's amused. I have that effect on royalty. Hey, look, there's a DeLorean in here. If time travel was real, all of them would hang out in Roswell, right? Okay, I was about to say, he cannot affect wood. He can't affect wood? Yeah. So he is like Green Lantern. 
It's the cavalry! It's a little Looney Tunes. Very Donkey Kong. So uh, we got we got a little payoff of some of the threads that were dangled. Yeah, I'm a little sad that it's exactly what we expected, which is that the gray ones are good and the. Bugs well, we are don't bad. we don't know that we don't have confirmation per se. So true. Um, true. So the doctor and his uh, friends they they uh, escaped. They were uh, they so they were confronted by these um, what are they called the Alliance of Shades? Is that something that you're familiar well, with? Well, so I thought that these were just I thought the Alliance of Shades was a big group of aliens that are all kind of in cahoots with one another, and then these were their robot drones. Yeah, so these are like these are like Men in Black, but they're robots. Um, but the Alliance of Shades is just. Um, the Alliance of Shades, from what I thought, was this group of other aliens, and those four guys were just minions for the Alliance of Shades. I guess they're they're trying to make sure, you know, they're they're like the uh, galactic peacekeeping unit, like prime directive enforcement. Yeah, um, keep, I mean, keeping the technology out of the way. I'm trying to think if there's anything. It, I'm looking them up. It does say their affiliation is the Men in Black, so. Yeah, the Alliance of Shades is an organization created to hide alien secrets from humanity. Mm-hmm. Which makes sense. Humanity can't be trusted. Uh, we find out that, uh, you know, humans, uh, uh, after the first Roswell ship was shot down, they then shot down another one. Uh, the humans did. Right. And so w- what happens is, so first off, uh, uh, Jimmy's family uh, come and shoot the men in black with uh, arrows rather than guns. Um, you know, they're doing that Native American thing and they hit him right in the CPU. Got him. I don't know why they would know that. No, he, he says that. He said, uh, he said... Yeah, but why would they know where to aim? He, well, the doctor addresses that. He says, one lucky shot. You got all four right in their CPUs. You've seen these guys before, haven't you? Oh, that's and right, he, that's right. And they basically said, yeah, we've been duly familiar with these guys for a while because we helped this guy when he crash-landed and all that stuff. That's right, uh, because they, they had encountered the second alien that was shot down by humans uh, and had been keeping him a secret. And they, uh, that one is a gray who's married to the captured gray. But I guess and the question I have is, he goes, yeah, we swore an alliance to never tell anybody about this guy. And I'm like, why would you stop now? <laughs> just because well you know they've they've encountered the the grays and they're asking questions and we can't just say i'm sorry i can't tell you that yeah yeah <laughs> they don't want to be rude to guests but like you know so his uncle so uh jimmy's uncle is is one of these folks who can crack shot a you know a man in black uh man in black um yeah i mean i see that i guess i just sort of go mm-hmm. like yeah, well, when the crash happened four years ago, five years ago, yeah, well, we saw them then, and we've been dealing with them ever since. Yeah, that's fair. And um, the way that this sequence ends is, um, you know, the general uh, comes by, and he's like, oh, thank you for leading us to this alien. You've saved the world. This one's the real dangerous one, uh, which is which is what you predicted, which is like, you know, they don't seem evil. The big bugs seem evil. Maybe they're playing that part straight. Maybe. Maybe. And then the doctor says something very cryptic, in my opinion. Not in 900 years have I ever heard that and actually wondered whether it was true or something like that. And I'm like... Yeah, because he says, like, you've saved the world. And he's like, uh, I feel like maybe I didn't this time. Oh, maybe he meant in my 900 years, like, being alive, in my puff. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's what he meant. 
his personal chronology. Yeah, not <laughs> ten. Okay, that makes more sense. Anyway, yeah. So they, they just kind of go from one like capture to breakout sequence to the next. Yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised. Um, that, that's pretty par for the course. Yeah, it, it's very. Uh, what's that sh- movie called? Um, you know, Lord of the Rings ish. Sort of run a while, get chased by a guy, get captured, mm-hmm. run a bit. Yeah, because we got to get to a specific place. Um, one thing that I do like uh, is when the the alien is recounting this war between the Viperox and the Greys, um, you know, we get to we get to see that. And normally that would just be kind of recounted secondhand. Sure. We get to see that, that war take place, which is nice. I will say I, I did like that. Um, it was definitely an ambitious scene for them to animate, though. I think they bit off a little more than could chew. It was clear <laughs> that they'd animated one... One viper ox and one gray, and just kind of <laughs> went copy paste, shit. add a hat to that copy, one, maybe. Yep. Yeah, lasers was, flying. They were all running a hundred times. You know, it's it's a war sequence, and they were perfectly information. I should put it that way. Yeah, this would be a really tough set to actually build. I think. All right. Uh, yeah, they were toying with the idea there that. Uh, that maybe the greys were the bad guys with this weapon that can wipe out a genetic choice, you know. Well, so so this is this is kind of the the issue, right? Is sometimes there's a moral gray area where, you know, the doctor's got to make a hard decision and it's really interesting and engaging. Right. And then sometimes it's more of the like switcheroo, like we thought we were doing the right thing. Oh, now we're going to do the right thing. And this one doesn't even go there. This one is the bugs are bad. The bugs are bad. Are the bugs bad? Yeah, they're bad. And I'm like, you know, like the fact that when he when he kind of says, no, actually, doctor, he invented a weapon that can destroy all of our kind. And he goes, yeah, that's and even the doctor goes, yeah, that's not a good thing. I don't condone that. And you're like, "Okay, good. (laughs) Now there's some you can see why these, you know, these Viperoxes are doing these things. The Viperoxen. And um (laughs) And you go, okay, I can see why they don't want that to happen. But then he said, like, three lines later, it's, tell him to change this weapon to kill only this group of people or I'll have his wife for dinner. And I'm like, yeah, you, you're you now definitely the bad guy. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. there's no way to come back from that one. I'm sorry. You're just... It, it's you're like everybody's thing. doing the same, like, you know... Uh, 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 doing the right thing now versus doing the utilitarian thing later on. Right. And they're all coming off on the wrong side of it. Um, So, so basically the greys are, um, you know, as a result of their war uh, have been making a weapon, a bio weapon that will kill off all of the Viper Ox. Uh, And it was disguised as that uh, little, little, you know, ionic, whatever that uh, was found earlier uh, that was hanging out in the diner. And so basically it's a, it's something where if you launch it, it will kill only one group of people that you selected it, or something like that? It, it, it's a genetic weapon, yeah. Uh, and that that's why the, the men in black were after it, because they were like, yeah, we have an army here, but this is definitely a bigger deal. Right. Now, there, you can still have the, the Viprox being the good guys, right? You could still have them being like, look, we'll... we'll We'll sacrifice our people to fight war the good old-fashioned way, but we can't have this kind of weapon in play. It's kind of kind of the same, like, um, you know, nuclear weapon discussion that had been happening a generation prior. Right. Right. Well, but then the, 
Well, then that's kind of where the colonel goes with it. He goes, I'm going to set it up to only kill Russians, which I kind of go, how do you how do you mm. do that? Because if this thing is no. like the genetics of human beings are pretty much the same throughout everybody. So like, yeah, you, I don't know how you'd go. Well, only people who were born in Russia for the last like, like that doesn't make it doesn't it doesn't make any sense. And like. You know the problem with them isn't that they're Russian; it's this other stuff. It, it's it's yeah. the kind of argument that a military man in the fifties might find persuasive. <laughs> yeah, well, and I want to know whether this was like just poorly thought out, or whether it's intentional that the American colonel in the nineteen fifties comes up with this extremely xenophobic eugenics type of weapon. Like, I don't know whether they're trying to be like, yeah. Some colonel in the 50s would have come up with some crazy nonsense like this, and it wasn't ever going to work. Like, is the implication, actually, that bomb's just going to wipe out all of humanity? Yeah, yeah. there's no way to this, distinguish. This is the equivalent of the, the CIA training dolphins to, you know, uh, carry secret messages <laughs> yeah. through the water. Like, the, the Viperox, as far as I can tell, have no reason to, like, treat the human army like fairly or in good faith lie to them right. to get what you want but then at the same time just take it well he, like why yeah what is the you know what i think the only thing that it could be would be that hey the viperox need the the male gray because he invented the weapon yeah he doesn't know you know asgard what's Where his name As- asral what was his name uh Azroth. Azroth doesn't know where that guy is, but he knows that the humans Azeroth. have his wife. So he goes, "Why don't I ally myself with the humans so that this guy will come out of hiding and I can get He'll him?" He'll reveal himself. And I think so that's that the only sure the reason why it makes for all. Yeah, I think that's the only reason yeah. why it makes any sense because otherwise you're right, why not just go, "Hey, we're taking this, you know." But he could have also just kidnapped Oh, the we know that wife. the the enemy and the weapon are on this planet. We've destroyed planets before, um, but in any case, uh, basically, uh, doctor the doctor convinces the colonel like, don't do this, don't right. don't deal with the uh, uh, viperox. They're never going to treat you well, uh, and he he you know says yeah okay um, you know let's 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 deescalate. Um, and then Lord Asloth is not happy and is basically, now you guys are enemies too. And he flies away. Why didn't you do that like 25 minutes ago? Well, he's a law-abiding citizen. I was just born, but I can't wait to kill. Yeah, they're like they're like gators. What is it doing there then? What kind of I, U.S. facility has this happening in it? A Very unclear. Yeah, this came out of nowhere. Nope, don't like it. Dumb. I mean, you could have had like a like a drone that had been laid in all aspects of the base, right? By the Viperox, just in case, and have that chase them. Don't tell. No, you did not. You did not count your steps. Too much. Too much Sherlock Holmes again. <laughs> oh man, this, this <laughs> got goofy. Yeah, I was gonna say this is uh, this is a real goofster. Like we were having a nice discussion of moral ambiguity and the horrors of war and what it does to us, and now it's just we're going through the Indiana Jones Museum and there's a brain scorpion. Yeah, yeah, which you described as a billion little like sentient mosquitoes that in, that make up a hive mind, and I'm kind of like, 
A billion. A billion? One billion. You're telling me there's a billion of them? Uh-huh. They're very, very tightly compressed because of all the mental energy you see. Yeah, I don't know about that. No, so, so, out of nowhere. Why, they're going into this thing that is supposedly a, a government facility that is well-maintained, and there's just this... Undiscorded. Sen- yeah. They're allowed to go in and check, out, <laughs> check everything out themselves. <laughs> yeah. yeah, which also makes no sense. And then there's just this sentient blob of mosquitoes just wandering around. If it had been a Viperox drone that they had hidden there before, that makes sense. If it had been some captured bit of technology that they're hiding in the warehouse, that makes sense. This is just a a fourth type of alien <laughs> that has had no pretext. Like, I, I can see how it could come about, but it does, it was very jarring because it's like, okay, what if there was, like, some larvae that they just happened to have that were dormant and they only, like, come out every, like, 15 years and this has been in here mm-hmm. for, like, 20 and suddenly they all came out and were just wandering around going, can someone please let me out? And this, but, this warehouse but, is so huge that they're just sort of lost in it. But there's no explanation as to how it gets there. Even if you had a narrative justification, there's no narrative purpose for it. Because what happens? Okay, they came in, and now they're leaving. They came in easily, just regular walking. They're leaving now in the cover of a box. Not, like Unless it comes up later. Million, there's a million ways to have them leave. Like, a... a, a an insectoid version of a zombie uprising is hitting the nearby town right, right. now. Couldn't that be the reason to leave? <laughs> yeah, and and furthermore, like it, it's just it's just there to create drama. Like I remember there was a there was I forget what it was called, but it was a Mystery Science Theater three thousand. I remember thinking this is one of the worst things I've ever seen. It's a spaceship filled with people. Suddenly, an asteroid, uh, you know, storm comes and hits them, and they kind of wait. And then it passes, and they go, ah. <laughs> and I remember just going like, yeah, uh, that is not drama. What you just did is not <laughs> drama at all. That that was just that was just a problem happened and then went away. Like that wasn't yeah, interesting yeah, at all. And that's basically what this was. It was just like monster. We we hid the end. Yeah, it's like tickling somebody and claiming you're a comedian because they laughed. <laughs> uh, and you, you, you pointed out something really great about the animation, which is the way that uh, the doctor's legs moved, which we saw a lot of because oh, they're just yeah. walking through this warehouse. Do <laughs> you want to describe it? Well, I think they animated the gray alien first because her feet were kind of just moving. Mm-hmm. But the doctor was trying to like match pace. Yeah, was sort of moonwalking like through the place because he just because <laughs> the center of gravity doesn't work with him for that pace, right? And so he kind of would walk, but then like sort of shift back, and like it was only when he was walking alone that I think I said something like, "Oh, good, I'm glad you've got traction on your shoes again." Like he put yeah, on his cleats, yeah, like, like the top half of his body was not in a nice smooth thing, but the legs didn't work the way legs should to do <laughs> oh, that. Oh God, yeah, he was like. He was like dancing through this warehouse. It was really great. And and you know, once you start noticing one goofy th- like after once your suspension of disbelief has been brought back down in a Doctor Who episode, you notice every other ridiculous aspect like in this mission control room where they have just a huge map of the entire globe with with Russia blocked out as USSR and that's the whole like Yeah. Like, like why is that there? Well, <laughs> like we know. Yeah. By a globe. <laughs> yeah, I mean it was up there before cuz he's like, "Look, we're going to we're going to put this this weapon on the USSR." And I'm thinking like, "What what 
like, you know, orderly didn't click the button to go, okay, back to normal globe, like, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's 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 goofy, but it's it's fun. Um, you know, we're getting uh, uh, our, our um, the doctor's friends are picking up the TARDIS in a truck, um, but they're mm. getting ambushed by the uprising of uh, of uh, Viperox, Viperoxin. Viperoxin. And yeah, uh, they they got six minutes to to finish this out and and resolve these <laughs> these plots. Wait, how did they go through the choppers? Like they fly now, but they flew through the propeller. They move really fast. <laughs> <laughs> Understatement of the doctor's career. That doesn't look good. A, a whole city is just exploding. <laughs> and again, Doctor, you're totally fine changing history right now. Apparently, mm-hmm. the Viperoxen were supposed to take over Earth. Yeah. Also, he wasn't fine with. He wasn't okay with genocide, and now he super is. Yeah, I'm waiting for that because I'm hoping he doesn't just destroy the Viperoxen because that would be totally against his credo. Maybe they'll leave. You know, time is of the essence. You don't have time to do one of these scenes. I'm sorry. What do you What do you mean, time is of the essence? It's a time machine. He's getting really good at pinpointing that thing. Mm-hmm. Almost like he shouldn't ever have any problems at all. Oh, that's right. They picked up the glowing healing orb. God, he has so many teeth. That didn't feel earned or necessary. Nope. Nope, not at all. Oh, it's his wife playing Cassie. Okay. David Tennant's wife and the fifth doctor's daughter, same woman, um, is the one playing Cassie. I see. Yeah, so, uh, neat. Yeah, I I, I didn't mind that ending. I I had forgotten that the reason they went into the warehouse was to get the glowing orb that heals, uh, that heals, uh, what's his name? Right. One, One of the greys. So... Yeah, what's what, what? What are your thoughts on this ending? I mean, it's uh, it's fine. It's it worked. You know, it it, it it's consistent, right? Like, oh, we have this meth, we have this solution, we have this solution. The doctor finds a third way. Yeah, I mean, throughout you and I were saying, like, I thought the doctor was against genocide. What's he doing? Mm-hmm. And I and then you said that I went, yeah, he can't be just okay with that. Um, I mean. Gone are the days when he is okay with that. I'm not going to say that there aren't some from the first end or second Doctor where he's like, we could just wipe them out because they're evil. And you're like, no, no, Doctor, that's not really how morality works or how being compassionate well, works. Um, you shot Yeah, the minority somebody. report thing. Well, well, he says in this, like, we can't kill the Viprox because they eventually evolve into a peace-loving people who do great things. Right. Um, so I guess maybe in those other lives he knew that the aliens he was killing were just mindless murder machines. Uh, I mean, he, the doctor has killed before. I think there's one where he picks up a gun and shoots a couple people because they're evil. Um, I thought he hates guns. I thought it was going to be one of those like. Uh, so don't forget, this show came out in 1963, height of the height of the Cold War, when right, right. you know, World War II. It, if it did nothing else, it did a lot of terrible things. One of the very minor things it did is it created about 50 years worth of narratives where there's a good guy, there's a bad guy, and nothing in between. And around, I don't know, around 2000, we realized not only is that just not interesting, it's also not accurate. And it, mm-hmm. it, it's actually slightly, it's going to cause problems to think of the world that way. We're the good guys. Anybody who isn't like us is the bad guy. That's very problematic. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and boring. Um, and I think yeah. the Doctor, the new Doctor Who stuff especially. Um, well, actually, I would say this. Even by 1970, there's a really good Doctor Who story where, um, spoilers, sorry, it's 50 years old, but spoilers. Um, he comes across a prehistoric earthlings like they're from the pri- like from a real primordial period and what happened mm. was the atmosphere was going wonky and so they put themselves in stasis and said we'll wake ourselves up in like you know 100,000 years but the thing goes bonkers and like doesn't actually like it doesn't work and so they they wake up like millennia later when a lot of yeah. other things have evolved and so they come back and they go hey what are these weird like ape like creatures they're not supposed to be here. This is our planet. So they basically go like, all right, let's 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 sort of surreptitiously try to usurp our planet back from them and destroy the humans. And the doctor discovers this and kind of explains to their leader like, no, 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 no. Don't do that. Look, you guys like this type of climate. Human beings don't even like that type of climate. You guys can basically have this whole strip of like this desert. You guys are going to be great. They don't want to live there. And they're like, really? And they're like, yeah, there's a whole band across the equator that you can just basically totally have. Mm-hmm. And they go, well, that actually would work. My God, why have we been this like warlike thing? Why did we assume that human beings would like be not receptive? And he's like, well, you're not wrong with that, but let me go and like placate the humans now and let them know what's going on. And mm-hmm. the... What's interesting is he's like coming up with this really peaceful solution, and unfortunately, what happens is a more warlike one of them kills the peaceful leader and goes, "No, yeah. we're just going to destroy the humans. It's way easier." And the humans go, "Really? You really think they're going to be okay with this? Are you sure it's not a trap?" And then, of course, because they've gone down this road, now the the Silurians yeah. go and start trying to destroy the humans. So what happens is he goes, "I've got an idea. Why don't you guys go back into stasis?" And we can sort this out later. (laughs) And the brigadier goes, good idea. Let them go back into sleep. And he goes, okay, we'll do that. The episode ends, no joke, with the brigadier destroying all of them after they've trusted the humans. And, And it just ends with the doctor going, oh my God, you just killed an entire species of like thing. And like the brigadier's like, yeah, well, they're bad. And he's like, that's not how the world works. And I remember going like, this is aimed at families, including kids. Like, mm-hmm. your message is sound and good, but holy shit. Like, you really just, like, mm-hmm. you just that's crushed. Dark. Yeah, that's... And so... Yeah, I... <laughs> yeah, that's kind of, I think, the first episode we saw where the Doctor really takes an extremely strong, you cannot kill anything under any circumstance ever. And before oh. that, it was a little more loosey-goosey with the, well, yeah, but we're in a facility. We need to get out, and I've got a gun in my hand. I'll shoot a couple of these guys, even though they were about to go home to their families and just got caught mm-hmm. up working for this bad guy who's not even all that bad. You know, It's like, you're yeah, shooting these guys, yeah. doctor? And so I think they finally went, we can't have him doing that. He's not James Bond. He's a good person. Doing like trust-based diplomacy and mm. negotiations is so much harder when you're dealing with a large group of people, which, you know, by definition, some of them are going to be more unhinged and vengeful right. than the others. Um, but he, he was able to find a happy medium here. So what happened basically is um, they they got to the dying alien, healed him, and convinced him to reprogram the um, weapon so that instead of killing them, it would just, um, you know, annoy and incapacitate them because they have really good hearing. And so you can hit them with a hearing frequency thing. Uh, and and so the doctor uses that. Um, it's a neat solution. Yeah, it, it's a neat solution. 
Super hearing, uh, I'm a connoisseur of superpowers. I don't know if you knew this. <laughs> super hearing is the most superpower that is also a weakness that is abused by your enemy. Yeah. Um, it's right up there with like, oh, we can overload his circuits if we give him more power. Like it's <laughs> it's a it's a cliche. Um, but they, you know, they earned it, right? They said many times, like, they have excellent hearing. They've used that to their advantage and disadvantage before. I, th- I, th- I think it fits here. Uh, yeah. No, I think it worked because they seeded that in there as as something that I didn't notice would actually be their downfall. Like, he just went, mm-hmm. you just said you're no longer going to ally yourself with them, but you forgot these people have super hearing. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. He could hear the fact that the guy's no longer on his side. I didn't mm-hmm. think, that, like... It was well hidden that because it was, it was so wrapped you, you up. You don't in the think moment. to look for a weakness in a strength, right? Yeah, right. So I don't tend to like the invasion slash takeover slash extermination of all human beings on the planet episodes because they tend to be a yeah. little less. Um, it tends to be, oh no, something's invading. Let's stop it with the Deus Ex Machina MacGuffin thing, and then. But this one was better in that, you know, one of my friends put it this way, Doctor Who's best when it's Sherlock Holmes in space. He stumbles on something, wants Mm -hmm. to solve what it is. The fact that what he's solving is a clandestine plan to take over Earth was like, ah. But there was enough mystery in it and enough twists and turns that it was like, no, this was more Sherlock Holmes-y than... Because Doctor Who's at his best when he gets to, like, fiddle around and you don't, like, the audience doesn't know what he's up to, but he's, he's planning something cool. Um, but you can't really play coy and take your time when the stakes are that high because every, you know, if the enemy has a nuke, every, you know, second of screen time that isn't you running toward your next objective to stop them is time where the audience is like, I can't enjoy this interpersonal drama because I'm terrified of the nuke. Right. Um, Right, that's a good point, yeah. I think of all of the things that is hurt by this being animated, it's honestly like David Tennant. Like he's he's a fine voice actor, but like that charisma, that like wild jumping all over being being crazy solution, but still a good guy trying to do the right thing and, and, and thread that needle, like his on stage performance is generally so good that it's distracting that this one's so stiff. That's a really good point i i didn't think too much about it because the story was a little i don't know trite's too harsh but it, it was it, it was it was slightly well-worn territory um yeah yeah i mean you, you kind of knew where it was going to start and end um but but i had the I, same problem in uh, star trek the animated series where james kirk like <laughs> william shatner in his prime is an alluring spectacle to look at in live action, and you lose a lot of the appeal switching over to animation. Yeah, especially considering, I mean, you want to talk about stiff. I mean, at least these people kind of moved. I mean, there there's a show where the animation, it helps in that you've got episodes where they're like delving into their mind palaces and dragons mm-hmm. are flying, and you go, whoa, okay, you could not have done this in 1966. <laughs> and this is a really neat step up. But when it's just them sitting there or walking around, yeah, it is, it is, it is boring. It is really mm-hmm. hard to watch because they're just sort of sitting there, and the only thing moving is their mouth and occasionally an eyebrow. Like, <laughs> yeah, um, I do like TIS though a lot. Oh yeah, the um, the Viprox Queen didn't really come back. Did you notice that? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, again, kind <laughs> of. I mean. 
She sort of strapped I mean, they had their that. they had they had their army at the end, but like you have this this huge multi-scaled like vicious arm scythe creature presumably stronger and more able to and, and like the doctor doesn't say like oh this sonic weapon is going to incapacitate all of them he said it's going to be annoying <laughs> you're telling me the queen's not doing anything down there we don't see well, her leave <laughs> it does seem to me like this problem is easily solved by putting cotton in your ears basically <laughs> like mm-hmm. it's sort of yep. like they go hey we have really good hearing and sometimes we need to like deafen some of the stuff that's going on just because it's too distracting or too annoying or whatever Mm-hmm. I, I'm surprised they don't have like a- aliens don't have ears. They have like head cloacas. Yeah, that's true. But still, like you, you'd think they would have invented something that could like diminish annoying noises. Yeah, I mean they'll figure out a counter weapon. I'm sure. Like these are these are you know the, the the science advancements of your classic space orcs might not be impressive, but they they can do engineering. They can. Right. But yeah, I, I, it's not bad. It's a weird placement, given that it's chronology of what we saw before and after. Right. Um, I think they just kind of wanted to get... Oh, maybe they like prepped this one ahead of time and were just like, we got to get it out while it's still on the 10th Doctor. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I think it was for some special... I forget. I did read mm-hmm. about this and now I'm forgetting. But um, the... It, it does... <sighs> Again, I I think I would have preferred it if we were just like on the side of these, you know, the green and the blue and the gray alien, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then it turned out that they were actually like, you know, on the road to destroy them. And you go like it could have been way more interesting if it had been like then you end that episode with, wait, we've been helping the bad guys this whole time. Mm-hmm. And then you find out, no, it's all been a big misunderstanding. Like war broke out so this guy created a weapon to destroy them you know a manhattan project type of thing he yep. doesn't mean it to be evil he's just like look we're in war and we've got to stop it and here's my way of doing it and then they go yeah but we're at war because of this and the doctor goes ah you see the problem here is not that you guys hate each other the problem here is not that you want to destroy them you don't right and then like deep down like then we go okay the gray isn't actually bad either for like two episodes we thought he was Mm-hmm. And he's just like, no, you're right. I was just doing this as a project to help the war effort. But you're right. If there's no war, I certainly don't want to destroy this these group. And they go, let's sort this out diplomatically. I think that would have been a more interesting thing than, aren't you annoyed? Get out of here. And they're like, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, at the end, he's talking to the colonel and trying to teach him a lesson of like, the Russians aren't bad people. Right. And and you are too warlike. And, and we all need to resolve our differences some other way. But they they couldn't connect those lines because right. these were the scale is the scale is different and like you you never actually you know if I'm following the doctor's metaphor here he's basically telling the colonel like you can't attack Russia or else we'll give them weapons to fight you off. Well, I just took it as see. Or just I think like, the point, it just didn't connect as well as it was supposed to. I think. I think the point would have been better made of hey you guys could just get over your differences. And like, mm-hmm. if he helped these, you know, Althaws or whatever his name is, and um... yeah, like have have the weapon in the hands of the humans who now have to act as mediators in this interstellar conflict, like that. Why not? Right. I. I. I it was again. It, this was a fine episode of whatever. It was. It was above average, but just barely. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I would give it like a B, B minus type of thing. Of like, it didn't do anything that it didn't 
seem to be doing. So it's just sort of like, yeah. you know, you, you open up with, we're at Roswell, and you're like, okay, we're going to see some aliens. And then I think the biggest surprise was that the bugs were in cahoots with the colonel, but it's also like... That's, but that was the first surprise. That was that was. It's also nothing one. new. It's not like you go, oh, oh, I've never seen that before. Mm-hmm. So it it really just kind of gave what you expected, and and it's just sort of like it, it was. I wouldn't go so far as to say it was lazy writing. It was just sort of. It was just. It was. It was what you, it was expected. Yeah. It was what. Yeah, I mean, yeah. There there were only a couple of like switcheroo turnarounds, such as like, oh, they they. You know the, um, you know the 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 Men in Black aliens, the robot drones right. for the Alliance of Shades, and oh, the these Native Americans have been like dealing with them on the down low for ages to keep this other alien secret. Like that's a new wrinkle that we're not used to. Um, well, and again, I think looking back at Doctor Who and it was made at a time when everything had to hit the reset button. So if you missed last week's episode, okay, you're not going to be super mm-hmm. lost. You know, and I and I guess I'm at the point where I'm like, it's too bad something like this couldn't have been done in a more cohesive way, um, where you really did think about how all these aliens start to interact. You don't wor- you, like you really did worry about when the timeline happens. Like, you know, he mentions the ice warriors in the robot, you know, the, the Mars, and I'm thinking like, mm-hmm. yeah, when do the ice warriors show up? Because they show up in like the year three thousand, I think, in the first time they they meet them, and. They show up in like other times, but it's it's all a big mess of timeline. This is this is the the problem of one the pace of stories increasing, and two the character of the Doctor not really explaining things. Like they're, they they have their legion of fans doing you know lore keeping online, but um, seeing where all these things connect isn't obvious to the audience. So if they tried to you know sit down. And work out, you know, the differences and, and possible solutions for these three different alien species. The plot starts to balloon, and all you're really trying to get out is we have this special. It's okay if it's a little derivative. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not going to be one to say. I mean, at this point, I, I'm watching this stuff going. <laughs> it's very few people on the planet who's seen literally every single episode of Doctor Who, so. Mm-hmm. And there is no continuity, um, you know, like I, I have sort of plotted this a little bit. You know, if, if you don't if you want to go back and watch the old stuff and you're worried about spoilers. Well, sorry, I'm about to do that. Like they meet the Daleks and destroy them on their home planet. And then in season two, the Daleks show up in London in 1964 or whatever this is. Mm-hmm. And they kind of go, huh, that's weird. I thought we destroyed them by removing their power source, which was underneath their feet, and they couldn't leave their city. How are they on Earth? And he goes, look at their backpacks. There's, like, big um, power packs on their backs. And I'm like, that's great. And he goes, also, these are clearly, like, younger versions of them. We went way forward in time. This is way farther back. Mm -hmm. And you're like, well, that doesn't make any sense because – wouldn't it have made more sense that the Daleks just crawled out of their thing, said, we need to get power packs on these things and then find this fuck and get him. <laughs> he seems to hang out on Earth a lot. Let's go find him there. Because then they establish in season three that the Daleks are time travelers as well. So it's like there is yep. no reason why none of this could have happened just in the... So they retcon the hell out of all that. And I've keep, I keep also going, they set up that the Daleks take over and basically destroy all of Earth in 2150. That's just like... 
That's just waiting there in the future. That's just there. Well, and in the past. 2150 is a very specific date. Well, That's interesting. But here's the thing. There are tons of stories before and after where human beings are colonizing the moon. Human beings are colonizing Mars. Human beings are colonizing the moon to make weather machines. No, but, but, but Phil, there's time travel. So it all fits. It all the works. The humans don't have time travel. They haven't harnessed no, time travel. No, no. But the, so, so this is this is that thing about the doctor where he's, um, you know, kind of shepherding humanity along because he knows about what the future holds and he can change what he, you know, he, he fiddles around and does what he can. Like my point uh, is this: if 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 human beings in twenty one fifty are taken over by the Daleks and then the Doctor helps mm-hmm. them save it and they regain all that stuff. But they've also already, like, conquered the moon and Mars and, like, possibly even other planets out there. Like, we just watched another one that was called Colony in Space. And they're just on this planet way out in the middle of nowhere. And it's set in, like, 23-something or other. So I'm like, all right, so humans definitely do get back on their feet. So do the Daleks, or maybe the Daleks take over Earth and all the other colonized places are like, well, thank God I'm not still down there. Yeah, yeah, the friends kind of kind of thing. Yeah, I guess it's just yeah. There's a lot that I've I actually find someone compiled every single Doctor Who story in chronological order and said this is the list. If you want to watch them from you know a million years BC with the cavemen all the way up to the end of the of the universe, so exhausting. <laughs> I did look at it and go ah, there's just enough time in between all these stories that anything could have happened. Yeah, the Daleks come over, destroy Earth, and then they regain everything. Okay, great. Human beings are back on their feet. So I don't know. Maybe it all makes sense, and I'm being a curmudgeon. I I don't know. I think if there if he was drawing so much on this idea of we can't kill them because they're better, good in the future. Um, maybe maybe give us a little more of that future context. Maybe do a little storytelling. Or maybe save them just about... because they're another life form that you don't want to kill. Like, how about that? Maybe it's not they don't sure. have any utilitarian value. It's just, yeah, it's pretty abhorrent to just <laughs> eradicate an entire species from the universe. He, he makes the argument in such a way that he's leaving the door open for a, another species, maybe that he does have to kill later. <laughs> The, the Doctor's pragmatic for all of his faults. <laughs> One of the best ones, and I'm not going to explain how they end it, cause partly because I actually forgot. I haven't seen it since like 1999, 2000, somewhere in there. But um, there's one where the Time Lords go, hey, by the way, we're time travelers, motherfucker. Like, why don't we just go back to when the Daleks started? Just go back to that day and just wipe mm-hmm. out the facility that makes Daleks. And the Doctor's like, huh, am, am I able, like, morally, ethically... Con- in my conscience, can I do this? Like, I'm about to eradicate an entire species of being. And I know that they're like evil killers that are hell bent on killing the entire universe. But why am I able to do that just because I know that they are going to do that? I seem to be able to stop I, them in peaceful ways. So, th- this seems like a philosophical conversation that the show has had enough times where maybe the one time that it actually does play it straight. Is like is actually what's breaking new ground here? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's a it's a weird one, uh, but I, I enjoyed it. I thought yeah, that this was, was a. I I don't think it needed to be animated per se. Maybe maybe just because of the aliens, but they they've worked around. Yeah, that kind of thing why in the past. was it animated? Did they explain why they chose to animate this one? Or not? Not that I could figure out. I mean, honestly, animated adventures of Doctor Who seems like a fine idea. Oh yeah. It's a great idea. Always, like, (laughs) 
According to the Christmas Eve commentary, the first episode was was originally two, with the cliffhanger being Colonel Stark preparing to use the mind wipe chamber. However, it was later edited into a double length episode. Okay. Oh. Rumors were that he was going to be in a dreamlike place instead of just Area 51. Yeah, because it's called Dreamland. Yeah. And he said, like, that's what they call Area 51. I'm like, I've never heard of that. In any case. Production errors. Oh, God. <laughs> you're, you're, you're getting yeah. too deep into the hole, Phil. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> do you have any other thoughts on the, this episode? Uh, no. I, I mean, I'd love to see if these things ever come back. I, I don't know if I've ever seen either of these types of aliens come back and i've seen i've i've calculated about 65 percent of all doctor who so right now i'm because yeah, uh, they kind of it kind of seems like they were part of the broader chronology like one alien race that is uh that has either no defensive capabilities or genocidal ca- defensive capabilities and another one that is horribly violent right now but will be very important later both seem like they're rich areas for exploration I'd love to see more of this. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, by the way, spoilers, I've looked them up. None of these types of uh, aliens come back ever. So, But um, yeah, no, I, I, I would definitely enjoy seeing that um, some more because I think these were interesting characters that could be further explored. Well, all right. Um, that brings us to the end of this special. Phil, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Uh, do you have anything uh, that you want to plug? Anything people should check out? No. Watch Doctor Who on the internet. Uh, yeah. Um, That's it. <laughs> yeah, watch Doctor Who. <laughs> well, alrighty. And uh, audience, if you are not tired of hearing about Doctor Who, let us know uh, at the Cartoncast and uh, fancybat.com slash Cartoncast or at Cartoncast uh, at gmail.com. And... Um, let us know if you want to watch more Doctor Who, if you have recommendations for anything else that we can do in this type of format, or if um, you want to say hi to Phil, if you want to pass along any messages to Phil. Hello. <laughs> <laughs>